You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. How are you doing? Uh, you look like, uh, what, did you get injured? Were you in a, I'm, uh, is, is I'm that a sling? Bob. I'm a, I'm an embodiment of, uh, symbol of Biden's crippled presidency. Uh, wow. And that, that's, that's pretty- powerful. That's a powerful image you got going there, dude. Thank you. Did you work on that for like, it's, a it's long the latest time? one I've had for a long time, but I have a point. I have a point, which can is I, can, Wait, can we pause and just say for our podcast listeners, this is like, this is a stunning visual. You've got a kind of a makeshift sling. It's as if your arm is in a sling almost, right? It's supposed to be a sling. This is very um, powerful. Um, and, uh, uh, everybody's talking about how Biden is sort of the, the, the collapse in Afghanistan has lowered his, uh, you know, his prestige in Congress, so he might not get his bills through. Collapse pop- is a loaded term, Mickey, but go his ahead. His popularity is, 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 is low, very low for him. He's, he's underwater, as they say. And what they're missing is that weakness is strength. Every president, I, and I can think of two obvious ones, Carter and Trump, they reached this point early in their presidency where everybody says, well, they may be a failed president. They're losing everything. The wheels are coming off. And then they make a pitch to their party in Congress, save my presidency. OK, and, and it works. Mm-hmm. The key thing about it is it works. So Carter, I, I forget what, what what the save Jimmy Carter's presidency thing was. And there were. Uh, so that's why he he beat Ronald Reagan in that election because that strategy uh, no, paid the off. No, the question is the question is will you have four years of complete failure staring you in the face? Whether or not you win re-election, a failed presidency for three years is is not not something to be wished. And uh, with Trump, you know, he had trouble passing any legislation, and finally saved my presidency, and they passed the uh, the tax legislation, which was a stupid thing to have as your number one priority, but. Um, uh, it was it was all a pity vote. Yeah, but that wasn't a pity. That that was like you know business interests getting what they wanted from their appointed legislators. It wasn't all a pity vote, but it was in part a pity vote. Nobody votes on there pity. Was, it was these a are, dicey thing, are, if I remember at the time. These are ruthless, calculating politicians. They don't vote on pity. I was alive, Bob. Were you? He Let almost didn't get it was through. This? It was a big thing. He was desperate. He even had a ceremony when it passed one House of Congress uh, to celebrate it passing one House of Congress. Well, nobody does that, but he was so desperate for Trump a Trump has a ceremony, he, you know, when he goes to the bathroom. I mean, he's a total 100% promotional machine. He just can't right. wake up in the morning without a ceremony, a ribbon-cutting but, ceremony. But it looked like he wasn't going to get anything through. And – and then he, uh, they, they finally delivered this. Anyway, I, I, I think suspect- your, I think your whole paradigm is collapsing before our eyes. I think compared no. to your paradigm, Biden's Afghanistan poli- uh, policy looks like a um, rousing success. Bob, you may be winning the rhetorical war, but I'm right. Uh, <laughs> well, he, that, he, he's, he's got, I'll he, settle he, for that. It's, it's going to, uh, uh, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a case. It, it's a, a force in favor of them passing some sort of bill that he can take credit for. Now it's, you know, I have more to say about that, but I know it, it requires talking about infrastructure and you don't want to do that. You probably have a more exciting topic. No, I'm interested. I mean, I'm hopeful that you're right. I'm just a little bit skeptical. I think legislators have to be 
persuaded that their interest is aligned with the revival of the presidency. I don't think they do it out of sentiment. These are ruthless, calculating political machines, well, there was, Mickey. There was, when Clinton passed his tax increase, uh, he needed one more vote and he managed to convince Marjorie Mizvinsky to cast the, the final vote and she didn't do it out of self-interest because she was defeated in the next election. Uh, well, but, she may have miscalculated. She didn't know she was no, going to be was. No, I think it was a loyalty appeal to her. Um, who, who knows? He may have paid her off uh, secretly. And, uh, something she she came up again recently. I forget. Maybe she has a daughter who would do something or something. Anyway, um, uh, anyway, it's uh, it was definitely true with Carter. Okay. Might have been true with other people. Might have been true with Clinton and Bush. I don't know. Well, but, the uh, other question is how uh, how lasting is is the damage to Biden anyway? I mean. I, you know, the Afghanistan thing will, will not retain quite the prominence it has right now. It's fading a little from, from the media. Although there are a lot of people in the media motivated to make it look like an ongoing failure. And, you know, like you're, you're seeing these, uh, you know, these headlines like, um, Taliban uh, is separating men and women in college, you know, by a curtain. There's a curtain. Hey, this is a pretty big improvement over last time around when the women didn't get to go to college. And by the way, you know, when I was in Saudi Arabia about about 10, 10 years ago, this is uh, maybe a little longer than that. You know, and nobody complains about that. But this is I was in Riyadh, the capital. I did not see a single woman's face. OK, the whole time. They were all veiled. Now, some cities, the more cosmopolitan cities in Saudi Arabia, it's a little looser, but didn't see a single face. You go to McDonald's, separate lines for men in one and then women uh, with children and women and children in another, whatever. Um, you know, the, 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 the press, I just, I, I worry that they are going to, uh, carry these completely unrealistic expectations of what how far the Taliban will have progressed uh, in 20 years into this, and that will hurt Biden. I don't think so. Even Tom Cotton is tweeting about the vaccines now. Oh, uh, you think we've changed the subject to another another bad another source of bad news for Biden? Yes, and, and I think Biden's. I think that was Biden's main goal in probably uh, announcing this new vax policy is to change the subject. A subsidiary, a subsidiary goal was to. Uh, help stem the virus and a, and a third goal was politically to help uh, establish an adversarial relationship with Republicans as the party of uh of no vax uh you know the um he's he may be taking a I I was hoping that Gavin Newsom would lose his recall and that it, that would reflect on Biden and it would stop this bill or at least stop the big democratic infrastructure bill as opposed to the bipartisan bill uh but it looks like it looks like Newsom's going to win uh, oh, does and, it? And the press is attributing his win to his ch- decision to emphasize the vaccine in the final days of the campaign. So Biden may be emulating Newsom, figuring it'll help him. To em- you know, the, vac- the vaccine managers are probably pretty popular, uh, so it-, it will probably help him politically to do that. Um, but I'm, I- I'm sure there's a sincere motive in there somewhere. But um So what do you think about the new wave of vaccine mandates? I mean, this is pretty, you know, pretty forceful. Uh, it, you know, the the thing about 
all sizable companies having to have all workers either vaccinated or tested weekly. There's the, there's the mandate for the federal employees. And, and I mean, the Republicans are making a huge acting as if the whole idea is scandalous, which is. Well, Frum made a very good point, which, uh, which I forgot to make when I was talking, which is, uh, he's sort of, the Republicans are taking the bait and taking the anti-vax side when they should be talking about crime, immigration, Afghanistan, all their winning issues. Instead, they're, uh, talking about the onerous vax mandate. It's not even clear to me that, I mean, it's, it, 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 just as this is my, my pundits, well, I have two pundit parallels of the week. This is my big bullshit pundit par- parallel. In, in Texas, they use private, private attorneys general to help prosecute their, uh, abortion, uh, restrictions. And Biden, instead of just saying, okay, I order everybody to wear a mask or right, to get vaccinated, He's relying on regulations that ha- force private businesses to uh, enforce the, the the mandate, and uh, it's all because it's all to get around. There. In both cases, it's to get around deficiencies in the Constitution. Uh, and why, why? A. Why couldn't he do it directly? B. It might take a long time for these regulations to come out. C. If employers, you know, it doesn't say the employers can fire the employees if they don't comply. So it's going to be a bit of a struggle for, and the employers won't want to fire the employees just because they, there's a labor shortage. They don't want to, they don't want to fire employees who are good workers just because they don't get vaxxed. Uh, so it may actually have mainly a, you know, not have that much direct effect at all. Okay. But uh, wait, uh, doesn't, uh, didn't the Supreme Court establish quite a while ago that mandatory vaccines are constitutional? Uh, Yes, but the question, the question, this is a, an OSHA regulation issued under an emergency basis, a rarely used power. And the question is, did they mandate a vax? In other words, did Congress authorize OSHA to do what it's going to do? It seems to me it probably did. I mean, you know, OSHA is supposed to protect workplace health and it's supposed to protect against toxins and other bad things in the workplace. And uh, germs are a bad thing in the workplace. So you would think, that it would uh, pass muster, but I don't think it's a settled issue. The well, last, the last case involved asbestos, and they lost. Asbestos is clearly a problem. So, so, uh, so is it the case that? So there was. I read in the Times this this ruling. Uh, they quoted from from Justice Harlan. So this must have been what, like a century ago or something? A long time ago, yeah. Where he writes, "Real liberty for all could not exist under the operation of a principle which recognizes the right of each individual person to use his own." Uh, whether in respect of his person or his property, regardless of the injury that may be done to others. Um, I hope they have a better precedent than that because OSHA wasn't around when just. Well, you no, know, that, yeah, but that's, that's my question. I guess what, what we don't know is was, was this upholding a congressionally mandated vaccine or uh, a, a presidentially mandated one? In other words, could Biden, if if he had more, uh, if he was ballsier, could he just say, "I'm mandating that all adults be vaccinated"? Well, I, people would say he doesn't have the power. He has to come up with the power under under the Constitution. And even if the federal government has the power under the Commerce Clause, does the president have the power to exercise that unilaterally? Uh, I don't know. It's like the Youngstown Steel case, and it's one of the muddier areas of the law. I would think I would think it would lose, but, uh, but but maybe not. 
Here's my my question. What disappoints me about the debate here is uh, kind of almost nobody acknowledging what what Harlan was saying. I'm not sure I read the best part of the quote for this, but what he was saying it was the point that John Stuart Mill made in 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 generally defending people's right to do whatever the hell they want in 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 his essay on liberty, which is that you know obviously once your behavior starts affecting other people adversely, there can be rules. Well, this this is this gets at the the one of the central problems with Biden's speech that John Podhoritz pointed out, which is the first half of the speech is the vax is very effective. Don't worry. If you have the vax, you're not going to die or be hospitalized. And the second is those horrible unvaccinated people are going to hurt you. Well, if you're vaxxed, how are they going to hurt you? So Biden well, didn't really spell out. A couple out, of ways. A couple of ways. Okay. What are the ways? Uh, well, first of all, of course, he's oversimplifying to begin with. You're not completely protected if you have uh, a vaccine. That's a big part of the the answer. And, it's of course, it's his fault for not acknowledging that if he didn't. But the other thing is, uh, as somebody pointed out on Twitter today, um, you know, uh, having large unvaccinated populations increases the chances for the emergent of a variant that will be vaccine resistant. So there's that long-term threat. Right. But there's also the short-term threat. The, the, the vaccines are manifestly not perfect. So well, isn't there a third, third thing, which is you, you know, you may, uh, you may be unvaccinated and take it upon yourself to take the risk. But as with motorcycle helmets, we're the people that have to scrape you off the sidewalk. We're actually not going to endanger you. We're slowing down our whole damn economy to protect you people. And, uh, you are doing damage because we're compassionate people and that's part of the mix. Well, there's that. But by that logic, uh, shouldn't, you know, should you be able to send police in and, and grab people out of the house and say, get off your ass and work? It's good for the economy. I mean, you know, it seems to me the that's more a pretty compelling. Good idea. I'm glad you yeah, thank you. I know you're in favor of that. Uh, you're you're in favor see, of giving them the choice between starvation and work. I understand that. I like that. these expanded powers you're yeah. giving the president. Yeah. But um it seems yeah. to me a more compelling case is look, here's my point is uh and you know, I think I didn't read all of this Glenn Greenwald uh newsletter, but I got the impression that he was objecting like in principle Almost to the, and again, I didn't read the whole thing, could be wrong, but in principle to, uh, the idea of mandated vaccines. And it seems to me, uh, you know, if you do the thought experiment, suppose this, uh, and first of all, I grant this, va- this virus, it's a tough case because it's not that lethal and it kills mainly old people and so on. There's a lot of reasons to think. Um, maybe some of this is an overreaction. You can make that case, but as a matter of principle, wouldn't anybody agree that if this virus killed one out of every three people it infected and it were three times as transmissible as it is and there was a, a significant part of the population refusing to be vaccinated, wouldn't pretty much everyone agree we can mandate the vaccine, right? I mean, it, 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 it I can't believe there's an argument in principle about this. Um. I think well, the, the, the principle would be sort of an our bodies, ourselves argument. But since the government can draft you and send you to die in Vietnam, seems to me. Exactly. They can they can do this. Um, exactly. I mean, I mean, I, I, that 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 occurred to me just about an hour ago is like. But what, you know. what I don't understand is why doesn't why doesn't Biden go all the way? In other words, accept your two arguments. OK, uh, 
Um, why doesn't he say uh, vaccinated people, unvaccinated people, you're going to die. Fuck you. OK, you, we vax people are going to go on with our lives. And if you die, we're going to restart the economy. If you die, it's on you. Go away. Uh, you're on your own. Uh, why and, doesn't he say that? Well, what, that's he, he sort of. First of all, that, that policy took a, few, took a few steps in that direction, but it but, seems, yeah, why, why isn't that, a, wouldn't that be a rational well, response? Well, first, it would well, in fact prompt a lot of people to get vaccinated. Leaving aside the atmospherics of a president encouraging people to die, the policy doesn't get the job done. He thinks there's an urgent need to increase the number of people who are vaccinated. No, but that would increase. You're going to die. Fuck you. The, your people are going to take steps to Get vaccinated so they don't die. No, no, they're they're going to react the other way. They're going to get you're on say, your own. No, they're not. They're going to say, "Screw you! You're wrong. We're not going to die." Look at Joe Rogan. Well, then it ha- then what happens happens, and, and and we get natural herd immunity, or people die, and we get to get yeah, our economy it, back. But it takes way longer than vaccination takes as, as a mode of reviving the economy, as a way to save. Uh, people, uh, you know, other people who have been vaccinated, but might be at some risk. Um, that, that policy you're advocating just isn't an adequate substitute. Does it, it take that long. much longer? I'm not sure that's true. The to wait for everybody to die? They're only the vac- dying. No, you either get the, you get the vaccine, you either die or you, or Mickey, you survive. People are dying at like 1500 per day. They're getting vaccinated at like 700,000 a day. It's a lot yeah. faster to vaccinate. But we, do, I, I'm counting all the people who get it and don't die and have natural immunity as as part of my number. So that okay, that's true. Um, the uh, the two points. The alternative is just to pay people to get vaccinated. If it's so important to us, well, they've tried they, some of those. We they, they were like a hundred dollars. Pay them a thousand dollars, as Con Carroll suggested. So wait, it's you want it. to you you're dead set against giving a a, a child care tax credit to parents. You're you're dead set against extending welfare benefits to people who don't work, and you're willing to give uh you want to take a a thousand dollars of my money and give it to somebody uh because they're they're sitting around refusing to be vaccinated. Correct. If it's so damn important. No fucking way. Just mandate um, it. You have the power. Well, you've turned into a you've turned into a Paul Ryan conservative. No, look, I acknowledge that uh, again, this is a difficult case. I have thought all along that we are in some respects overreacting to this. It's a tough borderline case in terms of the degree of lethality. And you know, I, I still haven't seen good statistics on like how many people get long COVID and so on. So it's hard to to assess all, all I'm saying is it's frustrating that there isn't like a consensus on the fact that sure, in principle, the government has the power to do this. The question is whether this particular disease meets the threshold. There, there would be. I mean, here's an interesting part of it. I don't think there's much question that state governments to do can do it. It's just in our ridiculous federal system, some of the there are things the states can do that the federal government can't do. So if the states can do it, clearly. Federal government should be able to do it if we had a rational system where if the federal government decides to do something, it trumps states. But we don't have a rational system. We have this, uh, 
Well, this is my point about the Constitution being. I protected. mean, moreover, because viruses cross state lines very readily in a system with an inter- a country with an interstate highway system, among other things, you know, the logical place for the power to reside is the national government, and and in a certain sense, of course, that's not even enough. We we should have a more global uh, policy on this, but we're not there yet. Um, the, the the second point I wanted to make is it it really does now look like the virus is turning around. Well, you, I got it, it's it's almost bizarre. You know, as I told you last week, I had I had kind of gone out on a limb in my newsletter and said Labor Day, you know, just judging by the British experience, we'll start relaxing. Then I was shocked that that the death rate was so high relative to the case rate, even though the case rate was starting to plateau. Now lately, I mean, I'll check today's numbers now, but now lately it's starting to look like the death rate could be plateauing right. and that doesn't make any sense. That's just well, here's, too soon. Here's here's what I was worried about. Florida, because I thought it was the the stats we look at might be uh, polluted by Florida changing their system of counting. Uh-huh. So Florida huh. only Florida assigns the date of death or the assigns the date of infection back in time. So it, it it always takes like five or six days to fill in the more recent ones. It always looks like it's going down. The last five days in Florida always go down, and that when I added up the numbers, that was just enough to explain. The dip in the national statistic was the dip in Florida. So it, it, it may only have plateaued. It may not actually. So be wait, going they down. wait a long time to cast, to, to count deaths or cases or both? Uh, both, I think. They, they, they're not, they're not, they're not, you know, they're not counted I, I as the data think, reported. I wouldn't think that they're, should they, make a huge difference. They're counted more accurately, but clumsily, they, they say, oh, well, you died last week. We'll assign you last week. Well, anyway, it seems much less clear just looking at this now that it's less clear that deaths are plateauing than that cases are. Cases have been doing it a few days longer. Deaths, it's ambiguous. Uh, recent little bit of an upswing. But anyway, there's, there's usually no doubt that cases over the last, you know, a little more than a week have been, they flatlined. They're not growing what? per day. What? Aren't we sort of rooting for the Delta virus because uh, it's it's crowding out other variants that are more lethal potentially? It's 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 out competing every variant all over the world, including the ones like Lambda and whatever this mu one is that that we're we're worried might be more lethal. Yeah. So as long as Delta is 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 the champion. We're actually in better shape, huh? Well, ass- assuming the immunity it confers. Uh, translates to those other viruses, then that's a, a definitely an argument uh, I would like to see you write for Slate. Um, that's <laughs> a total, total, the ultimate Slate pitch. Go Delta. Um, you can do it. Infect all of us. That's, um, you're writing it down. That, you're going to do this for Slate? Like, that, well, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll look at it later. The, um, it's like my situation with my eyes. I had my, I had my left eye, the, the cataract. Uh, cataract screwed up lens replaced with an artificial lens. So that that eye is fine, but I can't have perfect vision unless I fix this eye too. Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of rooting for the cataract in this eye to like make a lot of progress. So when I go blind in this eye, they can give me a nice new lens. Well, although you could get the lens now, you just want the decision taken out of your hand so you won't be responsible if something goes horribly awry. I don't. I don't know if the insurance will pay for it unless it's bad. Oh, I see. Um, um, so by the way, cataract. 
speaking of things, and just to get, I, I'm curious as to how you think this, the vaccine mandates will play out politically. Cause one thing I was thinking is, um, you know, so there's going to be a lot of workers in companies who have to either get vaxxed or have a weekly test. Now, I just a few days ago got my first ever COVID test. It was self-administered. It was self-administered. Yours was negative. Oh. I, was yours negative? Yeah. But mine was not self-administered. So it was mine. It was self-administered, but it was sticking the thing up your nose. And, Wasn't that and it, bad? Oh God, it was horrible. See, this is why I think my thing was negative. I think I went to a drive-through test clinic. Uh huh. After the CVS free, free COVID test turned out to be a complete crock. It was not available anywhere. I paid ninety-five dollars. Went to a drive-in test, and she swabbed my nose, and she only stuck it in about that much. I mean, I, I don't think well, she stuck see, it in for enough because it that's wasn't all you uncomfortable need, at all. Maybe that's all you need to do, and I overdid it. But I had heard that when the professionals do it, it's it's really uncomfortable. So I figured I should make it really oh, uncomfortable. Think, oh, well, you did it, of course. So you just tortured yourself. But I totally, I think, yeah. I think she was I – th- I don't think she's – she said three-quarters of an inch. She only stuck it in half an inch. Uh, anyway, what I'm thinking is if I'm a worker at a company with over 100 employees and every week somebody sticks and stick up my nose and I'm thinking Joe Biden is responsible for this, I might not vote for him. Well, also, you might quit your job and it's a burden to place on employers just when the economy is picking up. Seems very dangerous for Biden if it, if it somehow puts a damper on the economic recovery. That's very bad for him. So I would um, certainly, uh, I would certainly, uh, choose i would certainly prefer two or three shots a year to 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 stick up the nose every week i'm not so sure i have i mean i as you know i have pain in my joints from the first two you think some a doctor i talked to said well maybe it just you know triggered a pre-existing arthritis well still i it was in no pain before didn't didn't another doctor you talked to say mickey this is what happens when you become an old person no he's the, the doctor said I said, I said, Doc, I've never had anything like this before. And he said, you're going to have a lot of things you never had before. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> that was a different doctor. Um, this is a doctor who I trust, but uh, I trust both of them. This is a, a, a GP. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I, but I, if, if the third one, I could, I, it's not very painful now. It's just mildly painful. But if the third one makes it much more painful, it will really fuck up my life. So I'm very reluctant to get the third one. Uh, un- unless I really have to, which may happen, but, uh, oh, you know, I'm, if my, I'm, my current, if it's shown that the Moderna vaccine fades quickly, I have to get it, obviously, but. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm ready for my booster. Um, here's a, you know, there is, of course, a JD Vance angle here, as you're surely aware. Uh, there's always a JD Vance angle. And I'm happy to, I'm happy to bring it to your attention in case it wasn't there already. So. He, he's taking the bait. He's saying we should, he's saying people should resist, although it doesn't. Right. He's actually comply, advocating but, defying the, the government mandate. Well, the, the mandate is not on individuals. The mandate is on the companies. So you're yeah, not defying, well, if you as an individual don't take the vaccine, you're not defying the government mandate. The employer is in trouble because it failed to compel you. That's, uh, that's the awkward thing of the. Of the way Biden well, has arranged what, it. He hasn't ordered you to get vaxxed. Well, he's ordered federal workers to, hasn't he? Right. But J.D. Well, Vance it, isn't a federal worker. He's not, no, but, I mean, he's not ordering, he's not order, he's not saying only federal workers should defy. He's saying everybody but should But is defy. he, is he including the federal workers in, in J.D. Vance in his, uh, oh, exhortation probably. to defy? Okay. Well, that's major, 
that he's urging people to to not comply with with government, you know, he, mandate. Uh, uh, the, he um, did you see his opponent Josh Mandel's thing? No, I mean, if if JD Vance is trying to be Trumpy, he was totally out trumped by this guy Mandel, who's the front runner in the race, who JD Vance is trying to catch up to. Uh, it was. He, he was, he, I'm by the side of the road. There's a flashing red light. I'm so angry. I'm in a cornfield. And when the gut, when the government just, you have to defy the government to turn down the vaccine, do not comply. And when the, when the government's Gestapo come to your door, you know what to do. Oh, you know what that yeah. sounds like. Yes. Yeah, so he, so he's, he's, uh, implicitly Vance, encouraging them to, to kill. Uh, J.D. Government? Vance sounds like Norman Arnstein compared to Josh Mandel. Okay, one more thing J.D. Vance said. This was when he was in, in, a, in a statement opposing uh, uh, the Columbus, Ohio mayor's mask mandate, which I assume is to wear that everybody wear masks indoors. Here's a sentence from uh, his statement issued by J.D. Vance. I assume he at least read it. It says, in the last few days, Sweden... That notoriously anti-science hotspot, that's sarcasm, announced that they were eliminating most COVID restrictions. Now, Mickey, do you know how the per capita COVID death rate of Sweden compares to that of America? And this is, you know, this, this corrects for the population difference. It's per capita number. It was, it was very bad at first because they didn't even have masks at the beginning, but that doesn't mean that. I'm not sure it's gone up recently. I, I think the big surge in their deaths was at the beginning. So what would you guess is is the ratio between the, the two countries per capita COVID death per day? Uh, they're probably twice as high. Or three Ours. Times. Ours is 33 times as high. Okay. 33 times as high? 33. There's a reason, J.D. Vance, that Sweden is relaxing. Well, you don't know. It's- we don't know what the cause is. No, well, obviously that's the cause. I, I mean, the point. My point is, my point what? is, uh, Sweden here's has the, no mask, and they have a lower death rate. That seems to be an argument for no masks. Well, no, they are relaxing. They are relaxing the restrictions now, according to JD Vance. But the point is this, Mickey: if he's if he's reading a statement that he's going to issue under his name. Like, and, and they've come up with a country that is relaxing their mandates. Shouldn't it like occur to him that maybe that's because they're in a very different phase of their pandemic? I mean, if you look at their case rate, it's about what ours was back when Biden in early July was declaring independence from the vaccine. He was relaxing too back then. Things are different. I think they've always been more relaxed, although they fired the guy who was Mr. Mr. No Lockdown. So, you take uh, the basic point, right? This is obviously stupid. And my question is... It's not obviously stupid. It's, it's obviously, obviously stupid. Smart. No, no. But it, the evidence no. on masks, the evidence on masks, as I understand, that is mixed. Mickey, there, you're... Uh, I haven't read about the study in Bangladesh that was in the Washington Post, but there's a long article in City Journal, seemed to be fair, saying that it, it really hasn't been proven that masks... Mickey, are. all of this is a diversion, because I'm just asking this simple question. If you see somebody say, wait, how can America be uh, tightening its restrictions when there's another country that's not? Shouldn't the first thing that occur to you be, well, maybe they don't have the same problem we have. Maybe they've got a much lower case rate and death rate. 
Shouldn't that occur uh, to somebody you're going to vote for for Senate? Would you vote for somebody for Senate who who doesn't even have a brain that 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 thought appears close enough in? for campaign work? <laughs> Pathetic. Not, and you know the thing not is, close he's close enough for government work. I don't think he's that stupid. I just think he's he's just not uh, he's, he's just not honest. Not that he'll no, he'll say standard, anything. This this that that talking point has been going around the web. Sweden, Sweden, yeah. Oh, well, in that case, we should all repeat it mindlessly, and that shouldn't disqualify us from higher office. If it's going uh, around the web, I mean, as long as it's been vetted, it's appeared on the Internet. I didn't realize it had been through no, the I Internet say, peer I review process. I just say he process. didn't make it up himself. He, he grabbed it from somebody. Well, in that case, uh, I just take back everything I said. Oh, no, I'm not saying that. Jesus. Um, what do I have to do to get a, you know, a very simple point across and win your assent? Um. More it's than weird. Josh, Josh Barrow said that J.D. Vance and 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 Mandel, neither of them is going to win. Works I, for me. I, I screen capped that, even the primary, I think. I screen capped that because I think it's insane. I think I think one of those two will win. This guy Ta- Romero, the car dealer or whoever he is, is supposed to be a good campaigner. But he's way down. Want to hear my final uh, COVID numeracy point? This uh, one works in the other direction. It'll it's quick. There's there was a COVID numeracy problem in the David Lenhart piece in the New York Th- Times. That's it. That's it. I tweeted it. Oh, Ex- he said he said you know you you have one in five thousand chance of getting the uh, was it of getting the vaccine if you're vaxxed? Yeah, but you have a very small chance of getting it if you're unvaxxed too. So oh, it's worse than that. Two. It's worse it than really that. Is, the real the real number is that you have ten times the chance of getting it. Not 5,000, 10 times the chance of getting it if you're unvaxxed. It's worse than that. His, his, what I think. I mean, the headline is, so it's meant to say, hey, vaccines do keep you safe. Don't listen to anybody. It says one in 5,000 is the headline. Every day. That's the point. That is the key point. I mean, you're right. It's true that you have to compare this to the rate for the unvaccinated to get a sense for, you know, the, the efficacy rate. But if it's one in 5,000 every day... Well, it's way higher than that, that you'll get it sometime this month. Right. I mean, you know, you could make, you could make the unit of time a minute and then it would be one in a million, right? right. But, but the, what, neither of those things is what we're interested in. We're interested in the question of like, if I go out in public and have been vaccinated, what are the chances that over the next couple of months I'll get COVID? And right. it's much higher than one in 5,000. And Biden repeated some of that, a, little, a, a slightly altered version of that stat in his speech. Yeah. The other so, thing Biden did, the other thing Biden did in the speech is he couldn't resist it. The guy's an addict. He had to make a reference to his dead son. He Biden did that name. again. Did he, he didn't do, do it by name, but he said, you know, believe me, I know what the loss of a child is like or something. And I think he should limit the number of issue areas he applies that to. He's done it with Afghanistan. He's done it with COVID. Maybe we uh, should hold it to those two things. The, um, by the, the way, the, yeah. the New York Times had an article by Peter Baker, uh, who also delicately raised this this issue that everybody hates it because he overdoes the Biden thing like a crutch and it's not very effective. Uh, and, but he said, oh, he's sincere, but, you know, and he grieves, but there's some people who take it the wrong way. And he was immediately pounced on by the left for attacking Biden and they changed the headline and. Uh, so, you know, he, his, his problem was he was too nice. It ha- it has to be somebody like Marine Dowd who'll be nasty about it to drive the point home so Biden will get the fucking point. 
because obviously nobody in his inner circle is willing to say, you know, Mr. President, you bring up your dead son too much. Um, uh, it's, that's think- a tough one. That's a tough one. I've never said that to anybody. Hey, enough about your dead son. I've never said that to anybody. Um, no, it's tough, but you know, there, that's why they're paid the big bucks. Um, what do you think of Peter Baker? I don't have, the, I, I, I have a general sense of hostility. He's a smart conventional wisdom purveyor. But who yeah. is he married to? He's, he's married to Susan Glasser. Susan Glasser, Glasser the, uh, who, she's who, another uh, smart conventional wisdom purveyor. She's a very good editor. She likes contrarian pieces, but the pieces she writes herself are not contrarian pieces. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, uh, the, uh, well, that's every, not a crazy strategy for an editor to adopt. Let, let, no, let everybody else take the blowback. She, she's a, she, she put out, she puts out a great publication, but people don't like her. I don't know why. Schaefer really liked her. So, well, she says she was editor of foreign policy. What else has she been editor of? Um, Washington she, Post magazine and Politico. She says, that women are judged unfairly on this score, that, you know, basically a woman boss acts like a man boss and everyone says, oh, she's a horror. That could be true. Could be true. Um, I, I'm speaking up in her defense. Um, but, um, so did you see this thing that uh, Matt Lewis had this piece in the Daily Beast uh, about Biden Biden uh, fired McMaster from West Point? Is that true? Well, it was just. There are these ceremonial boards, oversight boards, and they, you know, Trump appointed a bunch of people to the ceremonial, not ceremonial, they're not ceremonial, they're actual oversight boards, but they're not the world's most important, you know. Oh, it's not a faculty, it's not a faculty position? No, I think it was just an oversight board. Oh, I thought maybe he was teaching. Uh, but I, 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 and I don't know if it was unprecedented or not. So. Maybe I'll Google this while we talk. Uh, Um, uh, yeah, that, that doesn't seem as big. I was going to say it's, it's, it's kind of, Firing him, petty. especially if it's a faculty position, seems kind of uh, petty. Well, especially because he turned against Trump. So what's what's you know? Does Biden Biden just wants to make more room for his people? I don't know. Right. I, I didn't. I didn't get that part. Uh, you're you're right. From the advisory board of the U.S. military. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Um. Uh, so what else is going on? It's hey, tomorrow's the twentieth anniversary of nine eleven. Right, and I don't have all that much to say about it. I was going to raise the possibility, did we overreact? Was it really a lucky shot? And I guess I don't think we overreacted, but maybe you do. You don't think the Iraq war was an overreaction? No, that was, but but people, the general sense that this is the beginning of a new age of asymmetric warfare, you, you indulged in it too. You wrote a whole book about how we have to give up our privacy no. to stop terrorism, and no, that I was didn't. unprecedented. That what are you talking about? I thought that was part of non-zero was there was I read something of you about how we have to we have to tolerate more intrusions on our privacy and give up some of our sovereignty. Now, I, I think the, the point because this, the this point I made we have to avert and maybe if there wasn't an apocalypse. Well, I mean, we wouldn't if, have to do all those things. No, uh, national sovereignty. I said we have to, uh, and even there, I wouldn't call it sacrificing national sovereignty. I'd call it choosing one kind of sovereignty, like not getting blown up over another kind, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, nations are going to have to submit to inspections for weapons of mass destruction in ways they haven't if if we're going to avert the apocalypse. But obviously, I, to really be effective, individuals have to, you know, have the government monitor their, their you know, in wireless communication. Depending, et cetera, on how et the, uh, depending on how the tech plays out, 
uh, it could come to that. Right now, I, uh, you know, uh, all we need is like, uh, bio labs to be under much, you know, I, I mean, that's the main, main point of action. But the other point I made, this is the, uh, the point I'm proud of is, uh, which may not be true, but I think it sounds nice, is that, you know, if you accept my premise that technology has made it much easier for small groups of deeply aggrieved people to uh, coordinate and deploy massively lethal force, even though thankfully not, none of them have succeeded in employ- deploying truly massively lethal force in the, in the sense of, you know, killing tens, hundreds of thousands of people. Um, but if you accept that premise, then, you, you know, that, 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 that kind of the growing lethality of hatred, of grassroots hatred, then the way to, one way to get out of the otherwise ironclad trade-off between security and individual liberty is, uh, the allegedly ironclad, is, uh, to reduce the amount of hatred in the world, to reduce the number of people who hate America, to reduce the number of people who hate things generally. That's the, the, the point is just there's a third variable in that equation. Right. But at, when, when you look at the attacks that have occurred, it is surprising that there have been so few in the 20 years since 9-11 as opposed to so many. Keep in mind, in 9-11, we had the 9-11 attacks itself. We had the anthrax poisoning. And we had the shooter in the suburbs of D.C. seemed to indicate that these things, mass casualty events were going to be a very regular occurrence. And as a terrorism, and instead, that hasn't really happened. And is it because the threat was never there? The government was so effective at stopping al-Qaeda and stopping the threat. That's a real possibility. They certainly tried. Or the level of hatred was reduced. Uh, um, you know, the, the, January 6th is like the biggest thing on the horizon, and it was it was not that big. I don't think the level of, of uh, hatred was, was reduced any time... I, I don't know. I mean, certainly not in the near term after 9-11. I mean, it's true that people thought, well, we'll be lucky to escape another 9-11 over the next decade or two. And we haven't had another 9-11. On the other hand, what we have had, these homegrown terrorism attacks that are low casualty relative to 9-11, but still freak people out, killing 10, 20, 50 people. And these um, are not just the... These are not just the lone shooter killing a bunch of people you're saying they're, they're no, no 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 i'm saying they are they are they are but but these are people who have been inspired uh you know these are people who grew up in america or were already here they weren't they weren't sent over as sleeper agents you're not talking about sandy hook in other words you're talking about actual political things yeah i'm talking about uh jihadist things for the time yeah. being okay um the uh uh, and those, uh, you know, a number of them can be plausibly traced to what I would call the overreaction, the the Iraq War, um, the you know the Afghanistan War, which is less obviously an overreaction. But time and again, the people who perpetrate these things, the Boston Marathon bombing, the uh, Pulse nightclub, they refer to uh, the American troops, the drone strikes, and so on. And so... Well, you can't take what they refer to as, as they may be referring to them because that's the best argument, but then it may not be why they really are doing it. Well, in some cases, you know, it, it seems pretty, uh, pretty compelling. And in some cases, it, it isn't just them claiming that. It's like people say, yeah, that's what they kept mumbling about before they did this. Yeah. 
And, and yeah. I just, I just want to, you know, and, and although those are relatively low casualty things, they freak people out. I think without uh, Pulse and San Bernardino, maybe Trump doesn't get elected. They're very consequential, and they and they sow distrust among Americans. They make uh, non-Muslim Americans start looking over their shoulders at Muslims. They are highly costly, and I think to some extent they're attributable to a badly conducted war on terrorism abroad. Yeah. And the, uh, I, I'm not going to argue, but I do note that nobody has done the obvious thing that would bring America to its knees, which is shocking. Uh, Maybe you shouldn't tell us what it is. I know. I Maybe we should go offline. I don't want to say what it is, but it's, use I hand signals. Use hand signals. There was an Israeli study that showed this is how you do it. This hey, is how you do it. And, hey, and, talk about parrot room content, man. Okay, for, we'll talk for five dollars a month, you can find out how to bring America to its knees. I, ha- I hate. I hate to kick things into the parrot room, but in this case, it's that's where it belongs. Okay, I'll write it down. Viewers hate that too. America. I'm sorry. Knees. I'm writing it down. Do you want to give our enemies any any ideas um, unless they pay five dollars? So um, I did. A, I did a thing for. Actually, I have to finish it in between now and taping the parrot room, but or, or post it. But uh, I did a newsletter today assessing my post nine eleven war on terror oeuvre. Um, and found it good. Isn't that shocking? I, I I couldn't believe it because it's a it's a strictly objective appraisal. No, I I, I didn't find it universally good. I I, I gotta say, you know, I could yeah, I gotta say, could have been worse. But um, anyway, uh, the, the 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 other mass casualty event that I, I actually I I've been doing some driving and I somebody said there was a good podcast about the Las Vegas shooting that raised all sorts of doubts. I listen to a podcast it was not one that raised doubts it was one that resolved pretended to resolve doubts mm-hmm. and it actually wasn't that unconvincing i mean why so i have to listen to another podcast obviously that explains why we think it's a great mystery and this guy you know his father was a criminal uh he, he was on some sort of antidepressant drug that often has weird side effects uh, maybe this was a weird side effect and he plotted secretly to kill all these people. And he, you know, he, he tried out various venues and he, where he might have killed them and he decided that this was the one he was most comfortable with. Uh, I, why does that raise, aside from the fact that it's really weird and unprecedented and seemingly doesn't explain why somebody would do something that gross? Why are there huge, huge unanswered issues? I have to listen to somebody. Wait, what did he do? What was the crime? Killed people in Las Vegas. They were talking about the mass shooter. Oh, the Las Vegas Vegas shooter. Yeah. And is the question, could it have been coming off the antidepressants that did it? Yeah. I mean, they they basically blamed the antidepressant, and that seems not crazy. Well, no, but it could be multifactorial. I mean, look, all these people, these homegrown terrorists I'm talking about who declare themselves jihadists, they have other issues, social alienation, whatever. This guy was just. I know, but my point is, it's always multifactorial. It's always the case that if you could have changed one thing, well, any one of a number of things, you probably could prevent it. The problem with this one is it seems to be zero factorial. Nobody could explain it. And the antidepressant is the only one factor that people have. Oh come on! Come Didn't this with? guy have some kind of checkered past? I can't believe that one week he's a deacon at his church, and the next week he's slaughtering. No, he has people a huge checkered past. But, well, okay. Uh, 
That what he did that didn't all result from coming off his antidepressants, and they don't go around killing eighty six. Of course, because it's multifactorial. There's a number of factors that collectively are necessary, but none of which is sufficient. Well, we don't know what those factors are here. That's the problem. Well, apparently we have two: checkered past, antidepressant. I don't. I mean, you know, I stand by my statement. Yes. I mean, he has a little bit of a bad seed problem. His father went to prison for some crime. Was a oh, and you're assuming you're sort. assuming that's genetic. I, I was joking. The bad seed is if you're if you're going to grow. The bad for seed causality. can be culturally transmitted. If you're going to grow for uh, causation, intergenerational problems might be one of the ones you reach for. That's certainly one of the ones that this podcast reached for. Uh, anyway, I have to talk to. Uh, Various friends of mine who, who, and, and everybody who lives in Las Vegas who thinks it's not explained and figure out what, what's their beef. Now here's a, here's an interesting 9-11 thing I just learned of today while riding my bike and listening to. I gotta give them credit, the daily, the New York Times podcast. This is what I learned that there was an interesting feedback effect within the 9-11 sphere, which is that the um 9/11 trutherism was itself given a boost by overreaction to 9/11 namely the Iraq war so this this podcast talked about have you have you heard of this film called loose change it's apparently it was the first reasonably high production value 9/11 truther video and it apparently had a big impact on converting people i do remember people. that i've never seen uh, it okay so uh, one of the two guys who made it was himself. Uh, the, the argument they make in this podcast is that once it turned out that there weren't weapons of mass destruction and people said the government had lied to them about that, uh, they became more amenable to the idea that the government was lying about 9-11. And one of the two guys who created that, uh, that film was himself an Iraq vet. Uh, and they made a pretty, a pretty interesting case that overreacting 9-11 by invading Iraq boosted, uh, conspiracy theorism and trutherism. But the other interesting thing about this, a little piece of trivia, the guy who, uh, was kind of the, I guess, impresario for the video, he worked with the two guys who created it, said their big, mo- a big moment came when they got their first Mass purchased by a celebrity. A, a celebrity somebody had heard of bought 10 copies of this trutherism video. Do you know who that person was? I should, God, I can't believe I, I should be able to guess. Uh, James Woods. No. No. Somebody who is much more famous now than he was then. Joe was, Rogan. Yes. Yes. Rogan bought 10 copies. Um, okay. I did. I didn't realize it. it, it I, I thought it came out before the Iraq War. That was, was a good guess. That was a good guess. I know. What was your reconstruct why, the thought process the that bucks. led to that epiphany, Mickey? Um, I have Joe Rogan on the brain. I don't know. Um, because uh, Eric Weinstein just went on Joe Rogan. Brett just went on Joe Rogan. Did Eric also? It was Brett. Brett just went on Joe Rogan with his wife. That reminds me. One thing we're going to talk about in the pair room. Somebody. A commenter, uh, I'll read you the damn comment. It's so annoying. A pair room commenter 
I'd be interested in Bob doing an on-air exploration of why he thinks he's become so obsessed with the Weinsteins, as well as an estimation of how many hours per week he spends thinking about the Weinsteins, talking about the Weinsteins, and consuming Weinstein and Weinstein-related content, a sort of meta-Weinstein conversation. This comes from a commenter in the parrot room. So I will address that in the parrot room, and it'll be a satisfactory explanation. I'm in a pro-Weinstein mood because Eric Weinstein just tweeted two things about Ann Coulter and Peter Thiel. The first one I'm reading, first one reads, In my experience, Ann Coulter is actually more genuinely left of center on our needing deep, painful labor shortages that bring employers to their knees at the bargaining table rather than the visa trough and the fake left will, uh, than the fake left we call the DNC anti-war is another example of this. Uh, those are two big issues, wages and war. Uh, and uh, I've been in rooms with J.D. Vance, Blake Masters, and Peter, or Peter Thiel, or Peter Thiel, where the entire focus is hours spent trying to figure out plans to help U.S. working families make the markets work for them. I can't get that quality of conversation on the left, and I'm sometimes the only Democrat. I well, you realize were... that, uh, you know, Peter Thiel, he has a vested interest in saying nice things about, but that aside, um, the, uh, yeah, we yeah. don't have a vested interest in saying nice things about Coulter. That is true. The well, other two cer- guys are both Thiel. It's guys. certainly true. Uh, you're certainly right about the anti-war stuff. She's very um, anti-interventionist. Anyway, but that was a nice thing he tweeted, so I love it. So you're pro-Eric. I'm pro-Eric. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, the uh, what else is happening in the well, world? There's a bunch of things. Fauci. There's the people are saying the evidence is mounting that Fauci lied about gain of function research, and at first I dismissed it, but now it does look like he funded this weird organization called Eco Health Alliance, which, which acted as a cutout and gave money to the Wuhan lab. And what I wasn't clear of was that money clear for clearly for gain of function research. But the latest thing I read suggested that it was, that there was an actual proposal that, you know, says they're going to spend it mutating the virus, you know, so it affects mouse lungs that are made to be like human lugs. So if you mutate the virus there, that not that gain of function? So, well, I thought actually it was pretty clear. It's been pretty clear for a while now that they were arguing over semantics. I, I mean, if you look at the exchange between Fauci and I guess it's Rand Paul, right? Um, during the testimony, Rand Paul says something like, "So you're saying that when you alter the genes to increase the transmill transmissibility of a virus, that's not gain of function?" And Fauci says, "Yes." He says, he says, it seems like he's conceding that they did alter the genes to increase transmissibility, okay. but it's in some technical sense, that's not gain of function. So it seems, and I've heard other people since then say it's a semantic argument. Uh, What's, how does what Fauci said make any sense at all? Oh, you is know it, how these definitions can be. Is, see, see, here's, uh, I, I think the cynical explanation is that, uh, I guess it would be NIH that maybe does the definition, but uh, whoever – the cynical explanation, 
would be that Fauci and his uh, collaborators is or co-conspirators, however you want to think of it, um, wanted to define, had reason going back a ways to define gain of function in a very restrictive sense so that they could fund research that was gain of function, but wasn't called gain of function. Right. And the background here is that Obama banned gain of function research. I, I guess that's it. I don't know the whole story. Uh, so you, they had to get around that. But I'll tell you, Fauci succeeded in looking pretty damn indignant for a guy who was actually just playing word games, if that's what he was doing. I mean, he I seemed know, like, that's what's so he troubling. seemed like, it was like you'd said something about his mother, you know. That's what's so troubling. Well, they, look, you and I know, yeah. know, know Tony well. Um, hey, it's been a long time since we've told that story, Mickey. <laughs> like a couple of weeks, yeah. <laughs> it's um, been, it's been a year. We encountered him at a cocktail party uh, many years ago in, in Washington and I said something to him that embarrassed the hell out of you, and you've never forgiven me. I don't think Joe Rogan repeats his stories, Bob. Oh, you're so wrong. Really? Actually, I don't watch. I don't listen to him enough to uh, know. So, can we wallow in infrastructure for a bit? A bit. Uh, make it make it snappy. We're at close to an hour. Well, but we get we're getting complaints that we're too short. You know what? You know what? There's a cure for that. Sign up for the Parrot Room. No, they were complaining the Parrot Room was too short too. Well, last week I had to run pick up my daughter, so it was only like an hour and 20 minutes. I'm not ashamed of an hour and 20 minutes. Hey, we should be on vacation, you know? Uh, some of what us the hell? theoretically are. This is gravy. Um, so when when the moderates in the House negotiated uh, a vote on the small infrastructure bill that's bipartisan, that really is sort of things everybody likes, on the 27th of September – the left and the press, which seem to be awfully obedient to the left, said, oh, this is nothing, no concession at all. Uh, you know, Pelosi has hundreds of tricks up her sleeve, and they're not really going to have a vote on the 27th. It looks like they're probably going to have a vote on the 27th, or they're heading for it, because uh, AOC is going berserk and saying, I will, will you know, the, the progressives are all going to vote against this popular infrastructure bill and take it down. She said, it would give me pleasure to tank it because it was drafted by Enron. So she's taken this concession awfully seriously. And it looks like they're not going to finish the big Democratic controversial bill by the 27th. So uh, and, 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 and the moderators running around saying it's not just what you see. They're also member to member assurances that were given that they're going to be a vote, that there's going to be a vote. So it looks like there might actually be a vote, which would uh, be very interesting because it might lose. Or enough Republicans might join it, uh, join supporting it to cancel out AOC, AOC defecting on the other side. Um, so that's happening. Uh, so that's a vote. Part- on, that's a vote on on hard infrastructure in a mere seventeen days. Right. And okay. um, meanwhile, the part today, this, as we as we talk, the parliamentarian of the House is deciding whether to include a massive amnesty in the bill or whether it is. Uh, subject to the bird rule because it's not really about the budget. And, and, and this is all basically a bunch of bullshit. Obviously, it has some fiscal effects. The main purpose is not fiscal. But the main reason it should not be part of the bird rule is because it's irreversible. So uh, arguably, if the parliamentarian can cl- include anything she wants, we no longer have a filibuster because everything will be done through reconciliation, as many important things are are already done. 
but there should be some limit on it, and the limit should be at least things which are irreversible, then maybe you want a supermajority in the Senate. Um, uh, so the, nobody's mentioning that. They're all talking bullshit about uh, fiscal effects and precedent. And I, I, I still secretly think that Schumer and Pelosi do not want this in the bill. They want the parliamentarian to kick it out. So wait, what's, in, what's the thing they don't want in the bill? Amnesty, immigration amnesty. Why would they not want it in the bill? Because it's very controversial and it might drag down the whole bill. It would mo- it will mobilize oh. the Republican base to go berserk and put incredible pressure on marginal Dems not to take this controversial step that might cost them re-election. Uh, you know, the, 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 even if we, even if the sides are split about evenly, the intensity is on the Republican side and you just don't want to rile that, that's hornetsness. There are other things in the bill that Democrats are desperate for. They don't want to jeopardize it just just for amnesty. Meanwhile, is it true that like uh, Biden's remain in Mexico policy is actually relieving pressure on the border? According to Mark Krikorian, who is much knows much more than I do, it hasn't been re-implemented. Okay, they've said they're going to implement it. There've been reports that they're going to implement it. They've been ordered by a court to re-implement it, but they haven't actually re-implemented it. So the point is that just talking about re-implementing it has caused a reduction at the border. Imagine what actually re- and and Mexico beating up the people who come across its southern border. Uh, that has reduced the flow. Not a lot, but it's it's definitely lower this past month than it was the month before. So these are asylum cases, and the deal is, no, you will get your asylum hearing, but now you have to wait in Mexico. So right, and the you, argument is the 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 uh, the uh, the the conditions and the camps in Mexico where people wait, although they don't have to wait in the camps, as I understand it, uh, they just have to be in touch with the Americans. Uh, uh, that are, are horrible conditions and so it's horrible. But in fact, the left hates it because it actually stops the flow. Cause keep in mind, the, the, the driver of this whole thing is when they actually get a hearing, a tiny minority actually qualify, like 10, 15, 20%. Uh, if they, if they have the hearing, just would we let them in because, uh, they have a, uh, whatever the word is, a, 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 a credible fear that if they go back, they're going to be persecuted. That's not done by a judge. It's done by a different standard, by a, you know, by a hearing officer. Uh, 70% of them get in. So mm-hmm. 70% of them to get in only for only, t- only a small portion of those to actually qualify. But in the meantime, they get to stay in the United States. And in fact, once they're in, they never leave. So that's the problem. If you make them wait until the actual judge decides, they ain't going to get in. Okay. So they ain't gonna come. Okay. Uh, uh, so there's that. That's happening today. Uh, I have an anti Ezra Klein point. He's gonna have a tough time getting it past me. Uh, oh, that's right, because he he won you over by having you on his show. Yes, I, I'm I'm totally on the Ezra bandwagon. Well, you thought you fucked you fucked up, but in fact, your fans loved it. It's been transformative. And has it has it showed up in more money for Mickey in the paradigm? No. Well, but we're, we're, we're optimistic that. that there's some kind of time release effect where like yeah. about a year from now, people who heard me on the podcast will send you money. Could happen. Well, here. There's this guy, Matt Brunig, who's the husband of Elizabeth Brunig. Right. He's a big proponent of uh, child refundable child tax credits. So he's sort of my 
policy enemy. Uh, and but he wrote a he, he wrote a the, there's a problem with the Democratic bill, which is that the the mechanism they've chosen to give family leave is incredibly complicated and seems doomed to fail. And and because instead of just saying wait, family, okay, this is leave for what this is like pregnancy leave or what? Yeah, I think. That sort of stuff. So either parent can take off. Yeah. And yeah. it's paid. It's paid at like 65% okay. or 75% or something. Instead of the government saying, okay, uh, how about this? If you have family leave, we, we, the government will pay you 75%. Your employer doesn't have to pay you anything. Uh, and then you go back to work. Simple system like social security. It works. Instead, they say, well, first you go to your employer. Will he give it to you? And then you go to the state and the state can reimburse the employer. And then if the, all that fails, then the federal government will step in and reimburse somebody. And it's incredibly complicated, just like Obamacare is incredibly complicated, as opposed to like national health insurance. So, you know, how, how how does Brunig react to that? He writes a piece saying this is a fucking disaster in the making. Uh, this is a nightmare. Are these people idiots? Imagine how Ezra Klein, when he ran Wonkbook, would reply. He would say, oh, I've talked to Professor Gruber, and it'll all be fine, and don't worry, it's all, you know, the best we can do. And Obamacare, you know, remember him saying Obamacare is going to be fine. Uh, it's just a difference in attitude. They're both left. Like Brunig, if anything, is lefter than Ezra Klein. Uh, but it's just a question of are you honest or not? Well, and maybe are you realistic? I mean, don't we just, for whatever reason, have a political system that makes it hard to do things straightforwardly. It's like Obama would have liked to have a much more straightforward approach to getting people health care. Right, but you but can't get different. that past Congress. And so you settle for what you can get. But Ezra Klein didn't say we had to settle and this is a fucking disaster. He said we have to settle and this will work. And well, it didn't work, maybe he believes that. What? It didn't work, if you remember. They're having to shore it up with billions of dollars in the... Democratic infrastructure bill because the premiums are too high because the risk pool in the Obamacare exchanges is awful. So they're having to shovel money at it. Okay. It did not work the way Professor Gruber said it would work. So, uh, and the way Wonk blog yeah, but not, was not, running it. I mean, it I don't work. know how much of this was foreseeable, but, but even if totally foreseeable. Okay. But, but if you are not among the people who foresee it, that's not the same thing as being dishonest. But what they were doing was they were scrambling for any expert who would back them up and reassure their sheep-like following that Obama was right and it was a good thing. I don't, um, think, I don't think the causality was we are, we have tried to find out what the truth is. That's isn't what Jonathan this what Cohen you does. do with like Jonathan Cohen goes out and tries to find the truth? Isn't that what you do with like uh, immigration and crime studies? And you say, well, this immigrant group has higher crime, and I say, well, did they correct for income? And you're like, I don't know, I didn't look into that. You don't seem too curious. That's now been done. Well, I think I last asked you about it. With it's still, it's still four at least. Four, it's been done four times as high for Afghans as other immigrants. I also asked you about the Hmong, but the, my point is, you had not looked into it at that time, and you were out there quoting the number. That's the point. Well, yeah, sure, once I challenge you, then you go look at it. But my point is, we all have a tendency to to grab onto evidence that fits conveniently conveniently into our positions. Well, maybe Brunig is exceptionally honest because he has it. He has a tendency to grab onto things that hurt his side. Maybe he has uh, one of a million motivations we don't know about. Who knows? It's, but it's true that I do that. I look in a crowd for friendly faces, as they say.
Well, it's just kind of, it's the way confirmation bias works. You you see but, you see a, a claim of evidence that's incompatible with your pre-existing beliefs, and you you interrogate it. You, I, you know, you look for things that are wrong with it. Whereas, but if it's, I, but I, you know, I I claim that with me it's a little different because I, if I if I I try to honestly decide if something's going to work or not uh, before I promote it with any weapon to hand. Yeah, but my point uh, is, if if the study had had the opposite outcome of seeming to work against your views on immigration, you would have looked at it more carefully for flaws. That's just human nature. Sure. We all try to be honest, but it, it's really hard to actually be honest because of these cognitive biases. Sure, that's true. But there was there was an actual test case. This is I'm retreading old ground. There was an actual test case where people were looking at like were the premiums going up, and Ezra Klein said they weren't going up, and. Jonathan Cohen said they weren't going up, but that's only because they weren't going up if you switch plans every year to the cheapest plan. Okay, went through that hassle. Okay, that's a much more honest answer than the Ezra Klein. Okay, fine, answer, but that's a, that's a good example. To mention that key fact, but that's a good example of a wrinkle you don't look for if the data is consistent with your pre-existing views. Whereas you look for that uh, such wrinkles if if you if you find the the evidence both, hostile to your views. These are both people who are gung ho Obamacare fans. Well, I think and I guarantee you, Ezra Klein knew about the wrinkle. I, I think I, I think I've, I, I've, I've made my basic. There, point. you're reduced to mumbling. My basic mumbling, point mumble, is mumble, mumble, mumble. my basic point is I think we should all be careful about calling other people dishonest because most of what 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 looks like dishonesty actually happens at an unconscious level. And True. I don't know anything about the actual facts of the case you're talking about, but. True. Um, Dishonest was too much, but it did, there's a contrast between the cheerleader approach and the uh, I'm such a hardcore leftist that I'm not a cheerleader approach. I prefer the latter. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, it, because because the, in this case, the latter kind of person is 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 saying things that are compatible with your policy preferences. True. Okay. There you go. More cognitive bias. But do I call you dishonest? No. There's a fly buzzing around my face, Mickey. I just want to let you know about that. Uh, there's I well, I was <laughs> going to say that the the, the the fair test would be over the child tax credit. Do I do I you know do I think Brunig is is full of shit because we disagree and and that's. Even that doesn't work because there too he claims it's an administrative disaster, <laughs> and he may be right about that too. So he claims that the, the government has no way of actually getting this free cash to the poorest people who pay no taxes. So it's actually not going to happen. Uh, uh, so it's not going to reduce the poverty rate by half. So that's useful info for me too. So I love it. Okay. In my motivated way. Okay, I'll take that as a partial concession. So, it's been an hour and ten minutes. We should move toward the parrot room, I think. Uh, okay, some people have even objected to our litany of what, what's going to happen in the parrot room. Uh, who, who are these people? Are they people who are patrons of the parrot room? Yeah, I think they're... they're I- I forget. I forget where I read their comments. We should but. find out. We should, we should, uh, we should get that data and, you know, put it into our data assessment machine 
and give that to our highly paid consultants and decide on whether we will amend our parrot room promotional strategy. Yeah. Well, we haven't talked about the recall election yet. No, we can do that in the parrot room. Uh, if we must. You've already told us Newsom's going to win. That takes kind of the drama out of it. Uh, but there's still lingering issues of how much he wins by, Bob. We've, re- we've moved the goalposts. We're now, if you, if you, well, well, I agree. Getting, we should. I agree. We shouldn't promise that kind of thing in the parrot room. That would be bad promotion. Okay. Story. Well, let's talk about it now. Fuck it. Okay. Tell um, us. Tell the, us what the margins going to be. Uh, the, John Ellis wrote a piece. We, basically, if if it, he he moved the goalpost pretty far in our direction, which is if if Newsom does worse than he did in the governor's race, where he the opposition got thirty nine percent, it should be taken as. Uh, people are pissed off. So anything above 39% opposition, if, if there are 40% of the people vote for recall, we're going to be declaring victory, Bob. Uh, and the great mystery of it is why, why did the Democrats pour all these resources into the race and Biden and Harris and Obama to California if they were not worried that, uh, that Newsom might lose? Uh, I don't quite know why. Maybe they're trying to run up the score so badly that they can claim it as a victory for Biden. You know, Newsom did so well, it means people are happy with the Democratic agenda. So, but 39% seems to be the dividing line. The, what, what do they call it in betting? The break-even line? The something? I, uh, I um, know. But so 38% is victory for Newsom. According to Ellis. Moral victory as well as literal victory. According to Ellis, um, I, not more, I mean, there is no moral victory here. Um, it's politics. The, I did mail my ballot and, I have the, with the ballot tracking knew where I sent it, when I sent it, like within hours. And it sent me an email saying, we know you've made your ballot. It was like, it was very impressive and also a little scary. And we're going to deliver it, you know, to the authorities and count it. And apparently at each stage in the process, it sends you these emails. Ultimately, it doesn't cure the problem of trust because do I trust these people to tell me that they actually counted it? Maybe they looked through the little holes and saw that I didn't vote the right way and they tossed well, me Well, I mean, you know, once a democracy gets to that point, you're fucked. If people just go, well, this is probably all a lie and they're not going, you know, I mean. Well, there's yeah. a way to do it. You count it in front of poll and, workers and, like and you used to. And you voted for a guy twice who did as much as he could to uh, to, to destroy democracy in exactly that fashion. But I digress. That, Bob. But I digress. Um, so... Uh, Anything else? I don't well, want to rush you into the parrot room, but but I do well, want to rush you into the parrot room. There's a viral. Uh, one of the things that this this doctor told me, and I think it's right, is if you think about why we why would we want to buy time? You know, we cut the virus down, but we don't get rid of the virus. So we have ten thousand cases instead of a hundred thousand, but the ten thousand aren't going to really go down. And, and, and what have we bought? Because eventually everybody's going to get the virus. And the answer with enough days. Wait, wait, you buy that how? How do you reduce the number? With vaccines or what? With vaccines, you yeah. Okay. So and, what's and the question? And, yeah. Well, the answer is it's time. It takes time to develop treat, it, treatments. And, and that the missing piece of the puzzle is, okay, vax is pretty effective. But for those people it's not effective at, we want treatments. And what are the treatments? And the point this guy made is that ivermectin is only one of many promising treatments. I don't know why it's the one that the right wing has glommed onto. 
But there are other ones that are, you know, there's Regeneron, which I think is proven. Well, effective. that's pretty established, yeah. And, but there, there are a bunch of other ones. My favorite was an old, an old therapy called Lovox, I believe. Hmm. What, what, you know, what a great name that, uh, it cures, it, it helps with COVID, it cures depression and it cures OCD. So I want this drug immediately. Totally. I mean, it's like a triple threat. No, I, don't, I actually want ADD. I want an AD. I want a, I want a COVID cure that handles ADD, not OCD. You want to give you ADD? So no, you I, want to, I want or? to take ADD away. Oh, okay. Even if it gives me OCD. Okay, well, I don't think that's Lovox, but who knows what, you know. And maybe it doesn't work. It has to be tried out, obviously. But the point is that the, this, this fascination with ivermectin seems misplaced. There's a whole bunch of therapies, and eventually there'll be more, and and – People should pay more attention to the alternatives to ivermectin as well. Uh, well, there are a number of proven ones. I mean, Joe Rogan took them all. <laughs> and, uh, uh did he so, take Lovox? Uh, what? I ask you. What's that? Did he take Lovox? I don't know if he took Lovox, but I agree that's a great brand. Love Ox. Um, okay. So we should go. It's been okay. a long, it, we've been, it's, it's like an hour and 15. It, it's like, this is, uh, um, and we should go into the parrot room. Okay. And you know the, you know the thing about the parrot room, Mickey? There's a parrot there. N- not only that, there is that. That's one of many, uh, that's, that's almost in third or fourth place in terms of alluring things in the parrot room. What goes, what, what, se- what we say in the parrot room stays in the parrot room. That, there's that. That's alluring. There's, you complain about Leon Weasel here in the parrot room. I have been known to do that. I've been known to complain about a number of people. Well, what's so, what, 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 oh, you're hiding the, the ball other here. thing is that, uh, we are, we are within shouting distance of a thousand patrons at patreon.com slash parrot room. I was going to mention that, but I thought you thought it would jinx it. It would so jinx I it. Didn't. It may jinx it. I may have jinxed it. Yeah. I feel bad. Um, you jinxed it, Bob. Hello. The bird was supposed to repeat. It, yeah. The bird oh, is well, dead again. While you're, while you're giving therapy to your bird, Mickey. Um, bird needs Lovox. I want to say, so the other things were, so a number of things we're going to talk about. As I said, I'm going to explain, I'm not going to talk about the Weinsteins per se. I'm going to explain why I have been talking about the Weinsteins, which may entail a little discussion of Weinsteins. Anyway, um, and, and could bring us to Ivermectin. We could continue that. Uh, we're going to talk about, we've both watched at least one episode of The Chair, the much discussed. I saw two. I saw two too. So we're on totally the same wavelength, although one of us may like it, one of us may hate it. We'll discuss that. Um, I think I may begin – I would only do this with your permission, although I might do it without your permission. But I may begin a crusade to get you to use a dating app. Sure. Sure. Okay. So I'm going to try um, to talk you into using a dating it app. It has to be a dating app that prevents people from uh, Googling and digging up this show. I have precisely that dating app in mind. Okay. It's a dating app with a parrot room filter. This show got you in trouble with a with a woman who was a perspective date. I get fixed up with women, and then they say, "I watched your show. You're not for me." Well, that's a time saver. There you go. You don't want you don't want to spend you know uh, dinner money on somebody who who spends dinner discovering that you're not for them. That's what the parrot room is for, Mickey. It's a filter. It's a filter. Um, okay, so this is a dating app in effect. 
It just the parrot room is a dating. It's app. like a negative dating app. It weeds people out. We are rolling out a parrot room dating app. That that's the big. Okay, you stole the thunder. Let's come out with it. I was going to save this for the parrot room. Not but a bad idea. We are coming out with a parrot room dating app for Mickey. No, it's just in general. No, it's for you. Well, <laughs> there's only one male who can use it. That's you. This the, the parrot could use a lot of things. Like apparently, battery. apparently. Why do you keep looking at that part of the parrot, Mickey? Because that's can where do the better. battery case is. You can do better than that parrot. That's what our dating that's app is for. That's where the on-off button is. Please, Mickey. Mickey, please. Come on. Keep it clean, buddy. <laughs> oh. uh, okay. So I may talk a little about the U.S. Open for the hell of it. Tennis. Um, What else? Weinstein's dating apps. Oh, we're, oh, we're doing this? Okay. The, the part that people hate. Um, the part that people hate. Uh, is Rock working. dead? People are claiming Rock is dead. Is Rock dead? Uh, Question mark. The, hang on. There's, uh, I want to tell you my Fred Barnes crossfire story that proves that you don't want to be calm on TV. You know, you were way too calm last week. And, and I was and, calm in the parrot room. I was Ted Lasso instead of Led Tasso. And the crazy thing about the parrot room is you never which, know which one of me will show up. But you, you want to be animated. And this Fred Barnes story dramatizes that point. Uh, Fred Barnes. There's, there's an economist who's, ge- who's, uh, generalized from the crappy experience of living, of being in a hotel in the current United States. Into a general theory of inflation. Economist hotel inflation. Always generalized from your personal experience. He didn't like the, uh, he didn't like the breakfast at Hampton Inn. Neither do I. I uh, love it. I love Hampton Inns. Have you eaten their breakfast lately? Not it's, lately, lately. They don't give you free, they don't give you 24 hour coffee and they, they don't give you a good breakfast. There's no excuse for the coffee thing. Hmm. No excuse for not giving you 24-hour coffee, I said. Well, the the excuse is they're using the labor shortage as a way to cut back on their services. And hey, that, I've got a cure for that. Go I've it. got a cure for that. How about a looser immigration policy, Mickey? No, that's no, 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 no. That's Let's don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. Anything else for the parrot room? Uh, the chair. No, nothing else. That the chair. We okay. talked about the chair. I could okay. – uh, yeah, you still haven't seen Ted Lasso, right? Correct. Okay. We'll compare the chair to Ted Lasso. I'll tell you which one is more worth watching. I can guess. In my view. I don't know. You never know. Um, um I'm on Ted Hooks. Okay. So good. Okay. We will uh we will see people in the parrot room, patreon.com slash parrot room. The bear the parrot is just shaking wildly because it can't speak. Um is it, is it dead? I mean, because last week there was a miraculous resurrection, but is it dead? I know, dead? but I think it was that thing where batteries are dead and they come back to life. I'll I will try to resurrect it. Have you thought about new batteries? I don't have new batteries, Bob. The best I can do is take out the old batteries by looking in here yeah. and yeah. putting them back in. Please. Okay. So we okay. will see you there, and uh, it'll be wild.